I think I might be hearing something a little bit differently uh, than some of my colleagues in podcasting, former colleagues in radio. What's that? What's the problem, Chief? For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I can't hear you. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I think I'm hearing something different in that conversation between the Custom Border Patrol Chief and one of the officers. And I think it's one of the most important things I've ever heard. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made... And these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Do you hear the, um, I think it was news. Well, it was news this weekend. And sorry, we're waiting until Tuesday to get to this. But I had a, um, I had a series of thoughts about the Custom and Border Patrol thing. We played this little audio. What's that? The problem, Chief. For, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I can't hear you. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. <laughs> That was a conversation uh, between the chief of the um, Custom Border Patrol, Chief Ortiz, and some of his men. And that man in particular saying, you're the problem. And I think I heard something a lot differently than maybe some other people in that. That, that I think it's, in, it's incredible to watch men stand up to the bosses. And, and incidentally, I don't know what's going to happen on the, on the back end. Ortiz may have that guy tossed out of the service or, you know, worked out of the service, et cetera. Managed out, as we used to say at Microsoft. Well, he's been managed out of the organization. <laughs> Two of the best employees I ever hired have been managed out. That's a true thing. That, that, that actually happened. One guy, had been, he, he was out of the company. And people cautioned me, hey, he's a really super nice guy, but he doesn't have any game. I'm like, yeah, you guys don't get this guy. You had him in the wrong position. No, no, you don't get this guy. This is this is the man I need. He he completes me. <laughs> he did. Uh, when we launched the video product, I couldn't have launched it without Randy Smith. And I did that. Oops, I did his name. Now he's going to be outed. Oh, wait, doesn't mean he's conservative. It doesn't. Don't go attack him. Is it, well, then again, Microsoft is 70,000 people. Which Randy Smith? Um, but there were people that had been managed out. So he may manage this guy out, Ortiz. But I heard something here that goes to the very, very heart of what must happen in our government. And that is that we must remember who is going to inherit the earth. So I hear Ortiz, and he has in his mind an idea of service. And I, I, I want to give this guy every benefit of the doubt. And this is, a, the, the conversation is extraordinary. And it's, to me, I really give this guy credit, Ortiz, for not saying, hey, you're going to shut your hole. Well, he knew he was on video. But this is how this meeting went. And I'll tell you what I heard. We stay focused. We continue to do the job and the mission that we signed up for. We all signed up for it. We all raised our hand. 
to defend the Constitution, not the It's agency. not hard to say it. It may be hard for you to say it, no, but I've been doing this for 31 years. It's not hard for me to say it. Every day I wake up and I'm committed to this organization and I'm committed to each one of y'all. We say that. the same thing, but it seems like the policies. Then you keep releasing. Because you're getting bogged down in the policies of the politics. You say legal alien. What's that? You can't even say. That's why Chief Scott left. You just said it. You can't. Is anything going to happen to you? You just said it. The whole generation. The whole generation. Why are you guys getting caught up in semantics? Right? There's a mission out there to be. We just sit here and argue about it till we're blue in the face, right? I've been doing this job as long as y'all. That's a problem. What's that? That's a problem, Chief. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I can't hear you. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening here. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the legal aliens to be dropped off. You are doing something. No, sir, we're not. You are. You're rescuing people every day. You're taking fentanyl off the streets every day. You're taking methamphetamine in the history of our country. In one year. In this country. You know, we've made more fentanyl seizures already this year than we made last year. How many have we not captured if we're focusing on experimenting? And that's the problem. And we're working on it. We're the results. We don't have results. I hear this. I hear a guy committed to an organization and I hear his men committed to a mission. Now think about the difference between that. And then let's get to the heart of organizations. See, back at Microsoft, when I encountered these people who had been managed out, well, one of them was on his way to being managed out. And, and, and my bosses told me, hey, I'd be careful with him He's being managed out. And what that means is there's just, you know, we love you, but there's just no place to put you. And I just, and this guy had been really rude to me, honestly, had been very arrogant and, and uh, dismissive and well, arrogant. And then when I went through my little period of time where I was on the rise at Microsoft and he needed a job and, and he came and applied because someone said, you should go talk to Todd. And he came into my office and he said, is there even any point to this? I said, well, that's a heck of a way to start an interview. I wouldn't have you here if there wasn't a point to it. Please come in. And we ended up having a really good partnership. And I just told him, just, I just think you're in the wrong position, man. I don't think that you are a product manager. I don't think that's your characteristics. You know what? I think that you're a sales guy. I think that you are a customer facing product evangelist dash salesperson. And I think you're going to thrive in this role. And here's why I think this. And incidentally, why are you here in Redmond? Well, this is where the company's at, but you live in New York. Everyone knows you live in New York. No, no, I live in Redmond. No, you don't. You have an apartment here. Everybody knows your, your home is New York city. Everybody knows that Mark. Why are you saying otherwise? So I did what, what was obvious to me that this guy's mission it was about convincing people to his, his, his role in life. He liked to entertain. He liked to take people to dinner. He liked to persuade people. He liked his overall thing in life is he wanted to be liked. If you're a product manager, you can't go around wanting to be liked. My other buddy, Mark, I'm from Randy, my other buddy, what he was, was a detail man. He was put into these positions of big picture, etc. That's not who he was. He got joy from the third decimal point. That's, he's the guy who, hey, point, no, 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 guys, it's point eight eight three. Don't forget the three. That's who he was. 
That was his mission. Detail. He saved me countless times. Mission versus organization. At Microsoft, there were so many people who were committed to the organization that now the organization has changed. And I hear from them all the time, all the time. I get people calling me. Oh my gosh. God, you will not believe this. I had to go to this training and I had to sit there and repeat this, this nonsense gibberish. This it's beyond social justice taught. This is cultish. Why are you doing it? Well, it's just, I, I've given so much to the organization. Okay. The organization. And there's people who can't see it. This is the difference. I believe that this chief got into this for the right reasons. I believe that the men who serve are in it for the right reasons. The custom and border patrol is to patrol the border. It's not to hand out cookies or water or press start on microwave ovens. It's not to secretly transport illegal immigrants across the country on private jets to hide them from the states in which they're being installed. It is not to take wanted felons on private jets secretly around the country and install them in secret locations so they can certainly never vote because that would never happen because we check everybody's ID to. Oh, that's right. We don't do that. I believe that Chief Ortiz is so many people in D.C. And this is the point I've tried to make so many times. I think this is the perfect point to make it. You get into a culture like that. You do not. You can't perceive the stink. And I know I've used this metaphor before, but it is so true. I went on vacation. I was well, I wasn't vacation, was it? No, my wife has told me I don't take vacations. I went and did stuff and was busy and wasn't at home and did things. And it was a time that I had by myself. And I came back to the house and I walked in. Wow, that smells like cats in here. Well, we have two cats to this day. Somehow or another, my life has ended up with two cats and two dogs. And I come in and it's, wow, it smells like cat. But I didn't. But when you live around it, you can't smell that. And you go to people who have 16 cats, they can't smell 16. It's the same thing in Washington, D.C. with these organizations. I'm committed to this organization, the Customer and Border Patrol. And you have other people who are saying, but wait a minute, I'm committed to the country. I'm committed to the mission of making sure that we get to control who comes into our house. The party always, always wants to make things complicated. They always want to make things complicated. There's a reason for that. I'll explain that in a second. Now, this is a clip of the figurehead exploding. He's just exploding. And I compare it to Chief Ortiz. Now, Chief Ortiz, again, I give him credit for interacting with his men and having a stout conversation with his men. And again, I don't know what's going to go on in the background. Maybe he'll have people fired. This is the figurehead, and he just blows into this, this tither over something he did. It's about insulin, and it's people shouldn't have to choose. You've heard him blow up about this before, but it's indicative of the same circumstance. Imagine being the parent, making the minimum wage or twice the minimum wage, and having a child with type 1 diabetes, knowing that if you can't and have no insurance, knowing if you cannot get that money for the insulin, the child may die. In addition to your child, it strips you of your dignity, damn it. 
Can you imagine looking at your child? And you know what they need and not be able to do it? Many of you have lost children. Many of you have seen. Imagine. It's outrageous. And we have an answer. At the same time, same is true for home and community-based services for seniors and people with disabilities. So you have Chief Ortiz saying, we all signed up for this. We all signed up for this. And you have his men saying, no, we didn't. We didn't sign up to press start on microwaves. We didn't sign up to take felons with active warrants and put them on private jets and secret them around the country. We signed up to guard the border. That's what we signed up to do, chief. And he's saying, but the organization, the organization has changed. When you have your loyalty to an organization, you have no loyalty. You have a loyalty to a a name. Now, I'm not saying that if you're a cop, you shouldn't have loyalty to your men, to your squad, to your division, however you count it in your area, to your, you know, to, to some degree to your boss, to the chain of command. Yes, that's important in circumstances like that. Likewise at Microsoft, likewise. There were plenty of decisions that I thought were so stupid from the bosses. And I would ask a very simple question in a meeting and I'm sitting there fuming. Oh my gosh, this is a bad idea. I would raise my hand and I would say, hey, I have a question. Do you want feedback on this? Is this a feedback gathering meeting or have you made your decision? And if the boss said, I've made my decision, I would say, okay, got it. Well, let's figure out how to make it work. And I would go back to my team and say, okay, I, um, listen, you saw my response. I don't think this is a great idea. Our job is to make it work. But when it's going to cost the company money or it's immoral or it's illegal or it is just so blatantly stupid, I would go back privately to the boss, knock on the door and say, hey, I feel like I need to give you some feedback. And this happened. This happened. We were in a meeting in Chicago and this unbelievably good man who gave me my start in big big tech, he said something during a meeting and he offered a feature during a meeting and we're with one of the biggest ad agencies in the world. All their chiefs are there. And Scott says, oh, and geo-targeting. And I kicked him. I actually kicked my boss under the table and he looked at me and he said it again. And I booed him again. I mean, I booted him hard and he looked at me, he goes, we're going to take a break for lunch. Uh, Is that okay? I think some of my team needs a break. We'll come back. And he goes, come with me. And we walk into the room and, and he closes the door. He goes, you better have a pretty good reason for kicking me in the, in the, in the ankle. I said, boss, we don't have that, that feature. What? Everyone else has it. Boss, we don't have it. Why? Microsoft won't clear the legal. Oh, why didn't you tell me this? Because I didn't know you were going to offer it. Boss, I'm sorry. This is on me. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. I'm sorry. Scott says, I'm sorry. I I goes, how are we going to do this? I said, no, no, you put it on me. No, you let me do this. You're going to take the bullet? Absolutely. They need to believe in you. You're the boss. I'll go back. I'll take it. Now, look, I'm not trying to make myself the hero in this circumstance, but I had to tell him, no, Scott, we don't have this. We go back into the room. I say, hey, you know what? I need to speak up here for a second. Um, I I misinformed my boss. We don't have geotargeting yet. There's some things we can do. We can triangulate. There's some, there's some things we can do to approximate it, but we don't have actual geotargeting right now. And one of the guys from, from the big ad that she said, oh, that's not a big deal. You know, we'll figure that out. If you can approximate it, that's the least of our concerns. That'll be a nice to have. Okay, great. 
Later, one of the guys from the ad agency came up to me, put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, man, that was impressive. I go, what? He goes, took one for the boss. And I just, I just acted like, I, ah, maybe. The loyalty was to the customer, to the truth. My loyalty to my boss was, Scott, we can't do that. That doesn't exist. The truth. Joe Biden screaming about insulin. This is the problem. Has no one gone to the figurehead and say, dude, you raised the prices of insulin your first day in office. You did that. No, they didn't. Yeah, don't go to the king and tell him he's wrong. You don't go to God and say he's wrong. Loyalty to a man? To the DNC? This is part of the problem. Is people are loyal to a thing that used to be. Supreme Court of the United States used to be a body that regarded the Constitution and carefully read it and examined, is this constitutional? That's not what it is anymore. It is so important that we live in the reality of today. We do not have a constitutional republic right now. That's a thing of the past. And the longer we keep from admitting this, the further we push our way, ourselves away from fixing it. In that conversation with the Custom and Border Patrol, there's something else that came out about this. It's just like Biden screaming about insulin prices. Just imagine. Imagine. As you listen to this clip, we'll hear it again. As you listen to this, imagine that you are at your work. I don't know what you do, but put yourself in your job. And your boss comes to you and says, Larry or Cheryl or Terry or Doug or whatever your name is, why is this not getting done? And you have to look at him and go, because of a factor. What's the factor? Um, we have a... Um, we have some some numbers um, that don't get along. What do you mean they don't get along? Well, just the numbers, they, they don't get along. There's, they, I can't get the numbers to get along. What do you mean? No, no, no. What, what do you mean you, they, don't, they don't get along? What, what do you mean? What does that mean? That, look, boss, that's all I can say. They, 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 they don't get along. The numbers don't get along. Your boss is going to be going, are you okay? Did you get the mRNA injections? Did you join Grim Milestone and the neurological problems of the mRNA injections? I'm listening to that. Thank you, Grim. Listen to this. Listen to this, and I'll explain what I'm on about here. We stay focused. We continue to do the job and the mission that we signed up for. We all signed up for it. We all raised our hand. To defend the Constitution, not the It's not hard to say it. It may be hard for you to say it, but I've been doing this for 31 years. It's not hard for me to say it. Every day I wake up, and I'm committed to this organization, and I'm committed to each one of y'all. We say that. say the same thing, but it seems like the policies. Then you keep releasing country. You're getting bogged down in the policies of the politics. Can't you say illegal alien. What's that? You can't even say. That's why Chief Scott left. You just said it. You can't even say illegal alien. 
your boss comes to you. Why is this not happening? We don't have the budget. What? We don't have the budget, boss. That's why we're not buying this. We don't have the budget. Well, let's move some stuff around that gets you the budget. We need this stuff. Why were you saying that thing about the numbers won't get along? Because I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to name the problem. The organizations have changed. When you absolve the language of truth, you steal meaning. You steal the ability to communicate reality. That's how far away we are from where we started as a nation, naming reality. Man, I am so, so excited to be able to help my friend John's company grow. So let me give you a little bit of background about Alan's Artesian Soaps. First of all, Alan recently, he's an expert at email marketing, the good kind, never spam. He hates spam. He built himself a very, very good, big, successful business doing that. He heard, because he's a listener to the podcast, he heard what MailChimp and uh, and Campaign Sinker did to us. And he said, hey, look, let me put my team on this. Uh, I'll, if I don't have to write things down, <laughs> I'll, I'll have my team work on it for you. Meaning he doesn't want to have to like write reports for us and stuff. He dove in and helped my team get this thing turned around so quickly. That's, that's who he is. He loves the podcast. He's that sort of man. He just decided to help. I said, John, I got to pay for these things. No, 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 Todd. No, 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 not this time. Let me give you another bit of background. When I heard that John had started a soap company, Alan's Artesian Soap, I thought, okay, John's a marketer. That makes sense. And Artesian Soap's made in America. Small batches, all of it small batches, all of it natural ingredients, all of it with these light, you know, suggestions of fragrance. Every bar is stamped, marked by hand. Each is given a personal touch. It includes a story and the story is key. And I want you to hear this. So with Alan's Artesian Soaps comes the story about the scent. That story will have been communicated by Alan's sons. This is why the business exists. Alan's two of his sons are profoundly impacted by, um, uh, by the autism spectrum, on the spectrum, profoundly so. Alan doesn't want them living through handouts. He knows what they can do. They're his sons. He loves them. So he founded Alan's Artesian Soaps. Now, the, they, they could automate so many things in this, the packaging, QC, a bunch of stuff. They don't. Because it is Alan's concern that his sons have work, meaningful work. And you get a picture of Alan, who is the story behind the sense. Alan remembered a a chest that his grandma had and some candles. And he said, you know what, Dad, I loved that grandma's, that old chest and the candles. And they made soap that, that reminded Alan of that scent. Right. Very, very unique. That's actually the soap that I use from Alan's Artesian Soaps. This is a company founded so men, young men like Alan can work. Okay. You're going to get a picture of Alan with your bar of soap. You're going to be supporting a company that started by a godly man, a conservative man, and a father who wants his sons to work. And he's in pursuit of giving money to other organizations to make sure that young adults and adults with autism get the dignity of work. This month, when you go to allensoaps.com, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com and enter the code word Todd, two D's, T-O-D-D, $1 from every bar goes to the Special Olympics. 
Next month, we'll pick another, another charity that's related to helping people on the spectrum and people who need uh, just some different forms of help. Okay, so again, so it's allensoaps.com. Later on, we're going to have John on the program to communicate why he started this. And, and remember, please, when you get the soaps, show your family. I showed my wife and my daughter the, the soaps when they came and they saw Alan working. Oh, they just fell in love. It's just such a good thing. Allensoaps.com. So when you hear a clip of a guy saying, we're not allowed to name the problem. You know what else this means? They're not serving the truth. There's a difference between illegal immigrants and migrants. And I know that's an old time phrase in talk radio. And I know it's, oh, well, you know, everybody says that. Yeah, but let's boil it up to the top. When they'll lie to you about the little things, they're lying to you about the big things. And here's what else I see. And this is so encouraging. I see the men of the Custom and Border Patrol committed to the mission, not the organization. You know what that means to me on a temporal basis? It means it's savable. It means it's savable. Someone at some time in the Microsoft organization went to Balmer and said, Steve, we are not a consumer software company. Steve, we are not a web portal. Steve, we are not entertainment people. Steve, we're not. And then the new CEO. And incidentally, understand something. I know that Microsoft is lost to woke. I know that they're corrupt to the core at the top management level. I know that it deeply saddens me because I made, I, I had such a great time there and financially very rewarding. And I'm, I'm, I'm endlessly grateful for the time, always will be forever grateful to the people I worked with forever. So I get, I get what's gone on to the company and it saddens me. But someone somewhere went and said, we've got to refocus. Look at the stock since they went back and just did what they did. Because there was no chance of turning Microsoft into a consumer product company. No chance. With some, with some, you know, some key differences. The, the Xbox line that was put outside. In fact, that's a great example. That's a great example. When Xbox started, a guy named Robbie Bach moved it off campus. He said, this cannot be consumed by Microsoft. He moved it off the, the main campus. We used to have these badges that we would wear. So your badge told you people your status. Uh, there was like a purple badge and a green badge and an orange badge. And I think an orange badge was a vendor and like a, I think green meant you're a temp employee. And then purple, you got your purple badge. It meant you were mobbed up. You're, you know, part of the Redmond Borg and, and you're an FTE, it would be called. So you see your purple badge. And so it gave these statuses and Robbie took his team, moved them off campus. They got their own special badge and he did that to keep them out of the Redmond ecosystem. Because he needed them to be loyal to the mission of building the video game platform rather than, oh, we need to, we need to make sure that Windows code is in this and Windows media is in this and we need to ship, ship F, F, MSN Messenger and all this. And Robbie said, no, we need to make the most powerful gaming platform in the world. And, and Robbie's not there anymore, but he was a fantastic, fantastic CEO, really cool guy, incidentally, and did that. Likewise, that, and that saved Xbox. Likewise, the fact that these men understand the mission means it's savable. But only if we begin to pray, pardon me, vote as we pray. Here's what I mean. The Custom and Border Patrol Agency is savable if we begin to vote as we pray. 
Here's why. From the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, Lord Jesus speaking. First of all, setting the scene here. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside, sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, so they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted persecuted the prophets who were before you. We vote like we pray. We vote for the meek. Oh, that's counterintuitive. It is. What would it be like to have meek public servants? Now, you're hiring a general? I don't know that I want weak generals. I want humble generals. Generals who understand the magnitude of war. Generals who understand the permanence of loss of life, save the kingdom of Christ. I want those who mourn and need to be comforted. Biden speaks in that clip as if he can relate to people on minimum wage. His party looks at people on minimum wage as simple tools, just like a a screwdriver and a tool belt. It's evident in their policies. They want more of it. Their policies are creating more of it. Desperate people often turn to bosses. What would it be like to know someone who actually knows what it is to mourn? I'm not saying that Joe Biden hasn't had sadness. He's lost a son, and I'm sure that was horrible for him. I can't imagine. But mourning on a consistent basis, no. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Does anyone in the party hunger for righteousness? No, they hunger for power. If we vote for people who fulfill these things and act these things and are these things, can you imagine the change? You see, I'm not seeing the people in command understanding loyalty to mission versus loyalty to self and perhaps even worse, loyalty to a rotten to the core organization. That's what I heard in this clip. That's why I waited till Tuesday to talk about this because I needed this to percolate up in my own mind. Have you listened to Zach Abraham's radio show and so? No, no, I'm saying this on purpose. Zach, as he stewards people's money for them in a wise and godly way. He's also a guy who's maintained a little bit of, uh, of humility. I'm laughing because I'm remembering, I, I shouldn't even talk about this because it seems like I'm trying to embarrass Zach. I'm not. Zach was an incredible, very good college football player, amazing athlete. 
And I just took him out for this day on the track one day. And I, I, at the time I was working out twice a day, you guys, sometimes three times a day, four or five times a week. I was in real competitive shape. And, and so Zach came out and did a workout with me and, and it was hard. I mean, it was a difficult workout, hot day out in the track, lifting weights and running um, back and forth and doing pull-ups and stuff. This was, it was a tough day. And I wanted to do part C of the workout, which involved putting on a weight vest and bear walking um, like a hundred yards. And Zach said, I don't want a piece of that. Really? He goes, no, no, I don't want a piece of that. You know what I love about that? He had the humility to say, no, I can't. You know how many years it took me to do that in environments like that, to be okay with, with, with guys being a lot stronger than I am or women being a lot better at things than I am. It took me a long time. So listen to his radio show, Know Your Risk Radio. Uh, it's financial advice. It's all the things you've learned from Zach, et cetera. But it's also just a great way to like get a handle on handling money in a, in a, in a humble sense. The other thing that I heard in this clip from the Customer Border Patrol was sort of echoed as I listened to the wife of a fallen officer in New York. So, you know, the story of, of the insane increase in the number of cops being murdered. It was like a 98% increase in people being murdered or cops being murdered. And this is under the party. It's under the, under the, the, the arrogance and ignorance of the party, their pursuit of destroying. When they say defund the police, what does that mean? It means defund the law. Follow me on this, please. If you defund the police, do you have law? No, you have words. Words that cannot be enforced or will not be enforced are not law. They're words on a piece of paper. It's just like if you just say there's no illegal immigrants, they're all just migrants. All of a sudden, the problem goes away. If you decriminalize drugs, all of a sudden, crime is down. If you decriminalize assault, all of a sudden, assaults are down. Well, I mean, they're still happening, but we don't track them. Same thing in the, in the goal of taking down the cities. Defunding the police means erasing the law, the existence of the law is still on paper. And just as it's still on paper that it's illegal to come into the country, but we had the boss of the department of Homeland security come out and say, Hey, just because you break the law to come into the country doesn't mean we're going to charge you with a crime. In fact, we're not going to, in fact, being in the country illegally in and of itself is no longer a reason to be charged with a crime. There is no border. Okay, that's the truth in a post-truth society. There is no border. And yet Chief Ortiz still says he's loyal to the organization. I, I, I don't want to determine his arrogance or something like that. I think it's in love with the organization versus the mission because you can't even mention the mission anymore. This is Dominique. She is, uh, last name, uh, Luzerigia. It's hard to say. She is Officer Rivera's widow. She's speaking at, this is, that looks like St. James Cathedral in New York City. Oh, St. James is New York. What am I saying? Or Seattle. Uh, St. Peter's, right? St. Peter's Cathedral? So she's speaking here at the funeral for her fallen husband murdered. And here's what I hear in this. I'm back to the Sermon on the Mount. I'm back to a woman giving a speech she shouldn't have to be giving, but doing it in such a remarkable way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, me being King Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because you're great, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Listen to this woman. Listen to the reception she gets here. And obviously there's a bunch of cops in the church. And I'm just imagining as she speaks here, Just imagine that you worked in a job that dangerous. Firefighter. Or, what have I been talking about? All the people in our audience who are veterans. Listening to the wife of one of your husband's comrades, colleagues, fellow officers. Speaking words that you might one day speak. Think of the questions from the kids. Mama, if daddy got shot on the job, would you give a speech? That's, that's not going to happen, son. But if it did, would you give a speech? We don't talk of that. But I want to know. Mama, I would want to give a speech. I would want to talk about my daddy. The meek shall inherit. I'm not saying this woman is meek. Maybe she is. But what this means to me is it's savable. The response here is that it's savable. What it takes is voting like we pray for public servants, not bosses. Jason is so happy right now that all of you are here. Through pain and sorrow, this is exactly how he would have wanted to be remembered. Like a true hero. Or like I used to call him, Big P.O. Rivera. You have the whole nation on gridlock. And although you won't be here anymore, I want you to live through me. The system continues to fail us. We are not safe anymore. Not even the members of the service. I know you were tired of these laws, especially the ones from the new DA. I hope he's watching you speak through me right now. sure all of our blue family is tired too but I promise 
we promise that your death won't be in vain. I love you to the end of time. We'll take the watch from here. Everybody okay? The meek shall inherit. If we'll vote the way we pray, I believe God will fix our election system. I really do. Because we'll be voting in godly people who know what it is to mourn, to be meek and humble. That's your revolution. Revolution of humility in Christ Jesus. If you are a member of the law enforcement community, um, I would love your feedback on this, on this particular, just that last segment we did. And if you are a member of any of the federal agencies, um, Custom Border Patrol, DHS, uh, retired members, I know I've got people in the audience who are retired FBI agents. I'd like your feedback at the ToddHermanShow.com on my theories and on whether you think voting as we pray could help. Incidentally, if you, if you write in and you identify yourself as an officer, I will never, ever, ever share that with anybody. If you ask me not to just put that on the top of the mail, if you're emailing me and it's not, not to be, there's things you don't want me to say, um, in the podcast, say that up front, please. Like, Hey Todd, this is just between us. Or there's some things I don't want you to say, just say that at the top. Cause sometimes I'll pull things up. Oh, this is great. I should read this. And Oh, whoops. And it's not live radio. So I can take it out later, but then that's a hassle for all of us. Go to the Todd Herman show.com. It's been a while since I've told this story and it is sort of a personal note. Well, it's a very personal note and it has to do with cops. It has to do with being raised around an uncle who was a cop. And I love all my uncles. I don't see them enough. In fact, that's my fault. I remember as a little boy asking my mom and after an officer got shot in Spokane, will my uncle ever get shot and killed? And she had the very typical mom answer. That's not, that's not going to happen. And even as a kid, you look at her and like, you don't know that. Mom, you don't know that, but you want that answer to be true. And so you don't push back. You just believe that no, Unk isn't going to get shot. And if he gets shot, he's not going to die. First police death that was close to our family was a suicide. He was physically one of the strongest men I've ever known. He made a mistake at work. And it wasn't his fault. And it haunted him up to the point where he died at his own hand. I remember thinking about how could such a strong man let that happen? I knew his son, not as well as I'd like, but I knew him. He's now in the service as well. I remember thinking and asking someone later, how does a strong man get there? Someone told me the following. Sometimes strength is weakness. What what does that mean? Sometimes the strongest thing you can do is say, I need someone else's strength. Sometimes the bravest thing is to ask for help. You don't want to think that of your heroes, that they would need to ask for help. And yet, 
no greater love has a man than to lay down his life for his brother. We're a body of Christ. I had a friend of mine, it was a cop. He's still alive. He's good. I think he's two years out from the big retirement. Yeah, he is. Two years out. Since he and his wife had kids, now 20 years ago, first child, I think his next kid to go to college would be in like four years. He has a tradition <laughs> with the young kids. Every, every time he leaves the house, he gives him money and says, it's a loan. Every time. I said, I'm going to need that back. And he's telling me, because we visited the other day, that there was a day where he forgot to do that. He got called in. And it's, you know, 911 page. Got to get in a page. Cell, text. I don't know how it gets it. But 911, we need you now. So he pops out of bed. He's into work. He didn't get a chance to give his kids a loan. And his young daughter, 16, was panicked. See, the money gets paid back at night. I'm going to need that back because I'm coming home. And his daughter at the age of 16 said, Mom, what if this is the day he doesn't come home? He didn't, he didn't loan me the money. His wife said, well, honey, I'll loan it. See, it's not the same. It's not from dad. <laughs> she texted her husband and baby, I am on scene. I can't. But who could? Some of the officers from their town. My buddy works in a different town. He lives in one town, work north of there. <laughs> he texted some fellow cops. I'm up north at this thing. Here's what I do. Two cops went over. Before the girl could go to school. They both gave her a loan and said, now it's double. And we're getting the money back from your dad when he comes back. He owes us. We owe you. And I'm just always so thankful. And your, your squads, your departments, our country, savable. It's savable. If we will start to vote like we pray... Take out the bosses, bring in the servants. Oh, and you know what the Lord just abhors in humans? Pride. Man, that'll get us right with God. Remove some of the pride, bring in some of the humility. Thank you guys for what you do. This is the Todd Herman Show at thetoddhermanshow.com. Now please go be well, be strong, be kind, and do be right with God.